You are listening to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. Join us as we explore the key issues and emerging trends affecting the global health and nutrition industry, helping businesses make informed decisions and drive change. Welcome to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. I'm Charlotte Bastianza, joined today by Alvina Cardinal, who is Expertise Group Leader of Health and Nutrition at NISO. Alvina, thank you very much for joining me. You're welcome. Hello, Charlotte. Now, we're talking today on the topic of clinical trials, and we're specifically looking at human challenge models. Uh, manufacturers and consumers are really driving the demand for science-backed products. You know, they're really well-educated, and they want to know what they're putting into their bodies that those products have been researched and safe. The clinical trials are really in the spotlight, I think, beyond the medical and pharmaceutical space. And we're actually seeing a lot of nutraceutical companies investing in clinical trials to improve the research and science of their product. Um, but we're chatting today a little bit more specifically on human challenge models. So Alvina, what are, why are they of interest and what exactly are they? Um, yes, let me try to... Um... To elaborate on that, of course, as you already said, when it comes to providing proof for a health benefit of an ingredient, whether it's a pharmaceutical or a food ingredient, we are all aware that human studies are essential and preferably intervention studies. You either want to demonstrate that an ingredient enhances the consumer's health, or you want to find out how the ingredient is likely to do so by, by assessing its effect on relevant biomarkers or both. Um, however, the problem is that many ingredients that appear very promising in the preclinical um, trajectory, so in in vitro studies or in animal studies, mm. um, those ingredients did not have significant benefits in large and expensive human trials. And that is a problem that we often see, and in particular in nutrition studies. We believe that a particular proof of concept studies, the, the human challenge model, can bridge the gap between the preclinical studies and the larger field trials. Mm. And Alvina, what are what are examples of um, trials that have worked, as you mentioned, in vitro and in animal studies? And then, you know, what are the so sort of classic cases and examples of where it hasn't worked in a human in a human model? Oh well, I think in in um, for example in the probiotic area. Um, there are a, a lot of vitro trials that indicate that uh, probiotics can have an effect, um, anti-inflammatory, for example, or effects on immune function. But it's not that easy to demonstrate an effect in um, in human studies. And it, I mean, that is one of the reasons uh, I believe that so far um, no health claims, for example, have been um, approved by EFSA for probiotics. Um, that is because the studies are um, quite quite complex um, to to design and to execute. However, if you think of, of proof of concept studies, um, then you're talking about uh, shorter and smaller type of studies that look at biomarkers, but can also look at uh, clinical endpoints. And to explain about what a challenge study means. In a challenge study, um, what you do is that you apply a stressor to healthy people, and after applying this stressor, 
you measure their resilience to the stress. And the stressor can be a pathogen if you want to look at resistance to infection, for example. It can also be strenuous exercise or by a very high calorie meal. And in particular, in food research, um, the health benefit in most cases is not targeted as a patient population because a food is not a drug, it's not a medicine. Um, so the health benefits of a food ingredient are very often targeted as a general healthy population. And if you try to, to conduct a placebo-controlled intervention trial in healthy subjects, that may not result in measurable benefits because they are already healthy. However, if you challenge them, then the active ingredients may make a difference in their stress response. So that is the basics of, of a challenge model. It's really interesting. Thank you. And Alvina, what is NISA doing um, around the space of human challenge models? I know that you, the company is doing quite a lot of work um, designing and conducting food clinical, clinical studies. Um, how, how do you structure them? What is the process? And what are some of the results that you're seeing? But at NISO, our focus is on, um, uh, on gut health and immunity, our main uh, health domain. And what we have implemented over the past uh, years are a number of challenges which help us to evaluate the potential benefits of food ingredients in uh, supporting consumers' resistance to infection. And uh, one of these challenges to activate the immune system is, for example, a controlled exposure to a pathogen. Um, and a model that we have used in, in, well, about 10 clinical trials over the past years is a controlled E. coli infection. And um, an enterotoxigenic E. coli, or ETEC, is an important cause of traveler's diarrhea worldwide. And um, it, it is a really important cause of, of disease and um, in, in certain populations, even death. And um, so it's, it's really a useful model to try and um, develop and evaluate products that could prevent or ameliorate such an infection. How many studies has NISO done? Well, as I said, for this E. coli infection model, we've done about 10 clinical trials. Um, mm. may, that may perhaps not sound like a lot, but if I explain what the study um, uh, is about, you will understand it, it's quite an innovative type of study. What we, we do in this study is that we, in this human challenge model, we, um, we recruit healthy volunteers, and these healthy volunteers um, will, be, uh, will be randomized, for example, to a group with an active ingredient, which is expected to protect against infection, and a placebo group. So it will be a randomized controlled trial. Um, but at a certain point of time, all the subjects in this um, study population will be um, experimentally infected with a live attenuated E. coli strain, which induces mild gastrointestinal symptoms. And originally, this strain that we use for these studies was meant to be developed as a vaccine against um, E. coli infection, but it, ha it had too many side effects to be a successful vaccine. But these side effects are perfect for our challenge model because an effective food ingredient may then be able to reduce these symptoms. So that's the basics of the human challenge model that we use. And, and then typically, as I said, we use a, a double-blind placebo-controlled design. and um, 
well, for example, two weeks intervention with the products, and then all the subjects are exposed to the pathogen. And then many of these subjects will, uh, over a, a relatively short period of time, have symptoms of, of gastrointestinal of complaints or perhaps even a, a slight form of diarrhea. And we record the symptoms and we, record, uh, we take fecal and blood samples so we can measure the effects of an ingredient at, in a very controlled way. And that's the importance of these challenge models because the classical way of doing these studies is that you, um, you give people an ingredient and you uh, register their, uh, their infections, whether it's an intestinal infection or a common cold, during a longer period of time. But the risk is that people will not be exposed uh, spontaneously to an infectious agent and then your study will have a very long duration or you need a very large study population. And in the challenge model, everything um, you do is under control because it's, even the infection is experimentally controlled. So um, it, it means that you uh, would need less subjects. The studies are of shorter duration. That has an effect on the, on the budget, of course. And you also have control over when to collect the samples and the data. So it's a very elegant design. Yeah, um, and Alvina, what do you see in uh, the industry moving away from traditional studies? As you mentioned, you know they're more lengthy, uh, making them a little bit more costly. Do you see the industry moving towards, well, I suppose where the markets are relative, towards um, controlled human challenge models? Um, Yes, I expect so because, um, as I said, the larger field trials do have a lot of risk because uh, you cannot predict in advance how many people will be exposed uh, to an infectious agent. Um, challenge models um, have also in informally, not, not of course uh, on the record, but they have been discussed by people involved in, in, in ETSA procedures. And in principle, they seem like a very, they are a very promising type of study because you do not just measure biomarkers, which can give you information about mechanism of action, but you actually measure clinical symptoms and you are um, very certain of the infectious agent that causes these symptoms. And that is a big advantage over a lot of um, not controlled um, field trial infections. Um, I just wanted to end by uh, hearing a little bit more about uh, NISA's microbiota um, expertise in relation to your human studies. Um, yes, that's, that's also a domain where we um, have made a lot of developments in the past uh, years. Of course, in many health domains, the role of our gut microbiota is getting more and more attention. Um, and whether it's challenge studies or other types of, of food intervention studies, they can be very well combined with the assessment of biomarkers, including changes of the gut microbiome. Um, and NISO has um, historically already a, an in-depth knowledge of the microbiome. And um, we use at the moment um, more and more uh, techniques like next generation sequencing or shotgun uh, metagenomics to evaluate not just changes in the composition of the microbiota, but also in their functionality. And, and that is um, what is really needed to get a better insight in 
how food ingredients can um, uh, modulate the microbiome in relation to health benefits. And um, well, what, what I always like, especially about my colleagues from the microbiomics group, is their ability to clearly uh, visualize and explain relevant findings in uh, what is often a huge amount of data, uh, as everyone will know who, who's done studies on, on microbiota composition and functionality. But the, the data need to be linked to biological pathways uh, of both the bacteria and the host, and, and that requires not just the, the technical expertise of, of doing the analysis, but more important even is the um, the the knowledge about the biological pathways and the bioinformatics to, well, to make clear what the information means that you have collected. Alvina, thank you very much for giving us such a comprehensive outline of human challenge models. Um, I think it would be very interesting to see if more and more companies start um, moving towards using this model instead of traditional clinical trials. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast and thank you very much for chatting with us today. Thank you very much as well. It was a pleasure. Thank you.